Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 388, and it is part six, the last part in my Where's Your Head At series, a series talking to people about mental health and the pandemic. Previous guests have, I'm going to do the full list, Stephen Graham, Puffress Ayadu, Gal Porter, my mum, Florence Pugh, Rob Alton, Tazilias, my goddaughter Lola, Jordan Stevens, Jordan Gray, Fern Cotton, Rob Parker, Amy Bullman of the Mum and Mama podcast, Chris Anstu of Hardcore Listing, Cariad Lloyd, Jamali Maddox, Jade Adams, Elena Heady, Rich Wilson, Dane Baptiste, and then today's lineup of wonderful guests. Um, before I tell you the guests, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened and shared and given all the feedback. It's been a really amazing month of of conversations and, yeah, I'm really appreciative. So at the end, this is kind of a bumper last episode. There's five guests. I'm ending on my dad. I started episode one on my mum, ending episode six on my dad. But um, <clears throat> I'll also give a kind of Pip's final thoughts type affair at the end it won't be too deep and meaningful yeah well let's kick things off um i'm going to start with dr susie gage who is a doctor has got an amazing book called say why to drugs which i did the foreword for which comes out on paperback i think next week the start of june anyway and she hosts a podcast called say why to drugs of which i'm sometimes the co-host so but that's not the only reason I wanted her on. Obviously, the fact that she's a doctor gives her an interesting insight to the madness that's been going on. But there's been a few other big things going on in her life. So, yeah, we talk about that. So let's jump into the first guest on episode 388. Where's your head at? Part five. No, sorry, part six. This is Dr. Susie Gage. Right, I'm here today with Dr. Susie Gage. How are you, Susie? I am very good, thank you. you you're not alone either. This is going to come into our conversation, but obviously people can't see on Zoom, but you've got someone with you. I have. I've got Elliot, who is six months old, sitting on my knee. So uh, if there's any strange noises, it's not me, it's him. Yeah. Honest. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a good excuse. Um, exactly. The point of these conversations is, is to spend 10, 15 minutes kind of talking about how your mental health has been during the pandemic and how you feel as we start to come out the other side and I wanted you your view for two reasons you're a doctor and 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 a, a researcher not an a, a, a frontline doctor but you you know you you're you're in that world so you will have probably been infuriated regularly on social media and you as you said Elliot is six months old so you had a child during a pandemic. So these are unique views to be shared. So yeah, I guess, how's it all been? Yeah, my my lockdown's really been split firmly in two of sort of being pregnant until November and then having a newborn from November. So we found out we were pregnant about a week before we went into lockdown. So that was a very, very strange time. And 
the first sort of 12 weeks of the pregnancy were always going to be tough anyway, because I had a miscarriage last year, a year before. Of course, yeah. So it's sort of wait, waiting for that 12 week scan where the risk then becomes much lower. Yeah. And it was at the scan last time that we found out. And then this, this time, because of lockdown restrictions, my partner wasn't able to come with me to the scan. Oh, so I had wow, to go by myself. So and I mean, luckily it was, it was fantastic news, but it was really tough for him because the only, like the only scan he ever went to was the miscarriage the scan. One. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't get to see this amazing, like you wouldn't believe how much a 12 week old fetus moves around so much. Like it was, yeah. it was astounding. It was magical. And I had to experience that. I mean, and I'm lucky like I experienced that by myself, but it was good news. I, I know people who went to that 12 week scan by themselves and had the worst news. So that things like that were incredibly tough. And the time, time, I think, has become really elastic and confusing for everyone. That it sort of feels like the weeks are going past really fast, but the days drag on. And it's really confusing to remember what day it is when every day is the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree on that. It's the we- t- time has been one of the weirdest things in this pandemic. In the, as, as you said, exactly there. It's going so fast and so slow at the same time. It's bizarre that it's been over a year, but then equally, six months in, I was like, how's it only been six months? This is insane. But that's such a tough situation on on both sides of that. I'm so sorry that you both had to go through that because obviously you being there on your own, I can't imagine how intense and nerve-wracking that must be. But in those situations, moments are everything and short amounts of time. So the fact that you will have had the news one way or another just a little bit before your partner is horrible as well. That's that's sitting at home not knowing is equally as unimaginable. So how was it to, I guess, break the good news, (laughs) as it were? Yeah, I mean, it was wonderful. And actually... So for the uh, the twenty week scan, which is where they can tell you if you want to find out um, what sex the baby is, yeah, um, they were offering this thing where the, the, your partner still couldn't come, but they would put the put it in an envelope and seal it so that you could then find out together, oh, so you could still wonderful. have that moment together if that's what you wanted to do. So yeah. there were some sort of considerations of how tough this would be, and also usually they would charge you for pictures from the scan. Yeah. But they but they weren't charging. Although it, it it's been very it's been a very confusing time because there's been lots of differences at different hospitals around the country. There's been a lot of inconsistencies about what's allowed and what isn't. Some women have been made to wear face masks at the beginning of their labours, for example. Wow. Which um the uh sort of general I can't, I can't remember the body, but like the NHS sort of general glo- um countrywide body said that's that that shouldn't be happening. But yeah. some hospitals have interpreted the rules differently and so is this annoying with him? Can you hear him? No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's wonderful. It adds some beautiful texture. Um, so, I mean, you talked about the inconsistencies there. How was it witnessing the world as such, or the UK at least, as both a scientist and as a pregnant person? Because they're two groups that are going to be increasingly annoyed by the often uneducated choices and views being spouted on social media and so on and so forth. How did those two things live in in duality there? Yeah, while while I was still at work, which obviously I wasn't up until November, but <laughs> working at home. So I teach medical students as part of my job. So I'm not I'm not a clinician. I, I'm a doctor, but I'm a PhD. So I'm not a yeah. medical doctor. 
but I teach on the medical degree and quite a lot of our medical students were being sort of fast tracked into working in hospitals in the middle of a global pandemic that we didn't really understand. We don't, we didn't know a lot about sort of what the, what the, who was at particular risk, what the risks were, um, how serious these kind of things were. All of this was so sort of right at the beginning, we hardly knew anything. And, and I'm, I'm an epidemiologist and sort of suddenly everyone knows what an epidemiologist is. Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not an infectious diseases epidemiologist, so I'm still not very useful in terms of <laughs> talking about COVID. But um, it's, it's been really interesting sort of seeing my colleagues who are experts on these kind of things like getting to grips with all of this and trying to do excellent self-communication while also um, trying to understand things themselves and, and wanting to make sure we keep sort of measured because it's it, it takes time to find these things out and time in a global pandemic you don't really have. Yeah. So that's been really like there's been some really amazing some of my colleagues have really stepped up like my colleague who works in Scotland Professor Linda Bold she's on the news pretty much most weeks talking about this kind of thing and she's just excellent and so measured and really clear and it's just it's really inspiring to see sort of my colleagues kind of stepping up like this yeah but yeah as a pregnant person it was really confusing because we just don't know well we didn't know certainly back at the beginning whether it's risky and some sort of viruses like zika for example can be incredibly risky to catch during pregnancy because they can confer sort of congenital damage to fetuses and so was COVID going to be like that? Maybe, we don't know. And, and, the, yeah. and the sort of information that was coming down from government briefings, first of all, pregnant women were told to sort of pretty much shield. And then we just stopped being mentioned in any of the briefings. So it's like, well, yeah. what do we carry on shielding? We're not being specifically mentioned, but we're also not being told we don't have to anymore. So what do we do? <laughs> yeah, we were told one thing. And then, yeah, it's not been, it's just gone quiet so a good a good friend of mine um laura dockerell has done an amazing book recently about the mental health issues she had post-pregnancy because that is a time where mental health issues can crop up massively add to that previously living through a miscarriage add to that a global pandemic how's your head been susie are you all right how 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 was it all do you know what at the moment, it's great. Things are starting to open up again. I've met some other mums and been able to sort of go for walks in parks. And I mean, even like in the last week, been able to actually go inside places with people. Yeah. And it's been really fantastic. Like yesterday, we went and had a pub lunch and then sat in the park and like let the babies just have a little play in the park. And that was like what you imagine maternity leave is going to be like. Yeah. <laughs> the first few months were wow i mean it's yeah. it's hard to kind of even like remember it partly because obviously you're really sleep deprived and i think people struggle to remember the first few months of having a baby anyway because yeah. it's so full on your life completely changes it's everyone tells you it's going to be hard and it's harder than, than you're expecting yeah but obviously we were doing all of that without being able to have the usual face to face support yeah. that you would usually have like for example i found breastfeeding incredibly hard like he, he had a tongue tie and he wasn't able to latch and it's kind of like it's the most natural thing in the world sure but it's also a skill that like both you and your baby need to learn kind of together yeah and there's amazing support in Liverpool there's this group called Bambies who in usual times would be around your house or around at the hospital within hours of you giving birth to like 
help you physically sort of mm. angle you and everything and that just wasn't able to happen like we had I had loads of whatsapp video calls with with the women from Bambi's where I was sort of like holding my phone and trying to feed and sort of and they were offering me advice but it's was, not the same yeah I was, I was gonna say it's not something you could necessarily learn from a YouTube video because <laughs> we're all different shapes and sizes exactly. so it isn't as simple as here's how it works it's like oh well that's not how it works for me so yeah that must have been so tough to do on your own as such it sounds more like r- rather than maternity leave it sounds like like maternity camp or yeah. maternity <laughs> prison or, or or whatever else it may be so yeah that's unimaginable i mean maternity leave is such a misnomer anyway yeah. it's, not, it's not like a holiday <laughs> yeah exactly well i mean as we start to to come out the other end again i'm sorry to to break you into two to two people but how do you feel as as a doctor and as a mother because I I know a lot of people I'm talking to a lot of experts I'm reading up on are very cautious of how we should be coming out of this are concerned that we're making the wrong moves are looking at other countries and the speed of which the Indian variant for example is is spreading but then as a mother who's been having to learn how to be a mother locked in a house on your own I said I'd imagine it's exciting to get out and meet some other people and have some face-to-face and for Elliot to find out there's other people in the world which must be a great surprise for him so um yeah how do you feel on all of that as we come out the other end yeah it's it's such a sort of cognitive shift that you need to make in your in your head to start to socialize again and so what happened was about in about April I think yeah parent and baby support groups started up again and those you're allowed to not wear masks in those you're allowed to not socially distance in those because they're support bubble kind of groups but yeah. the first time I, I went to one and I was I just was like stood as close to the window as I could and felt yeah. very very strange about the whole thing and it really took up took a bit of getting used to and and realizing that yeah these are people because because the thing is you know how sensible and what precautions you yourself have been taking but when you start to mix with people you've never met before you just can't you can't rely on other people taking the same precautions Completely. as you. And that's obviously how the virus spreads. Yeah. And I'd like, well, so I gave birth in November, which was the most, the, the highest rates in Liverpool, I think, across the board. And so we eventually made the decision that like, we were going to try and have a home birth because we're thinking, well, if we can avoid going into hospital, then so much the better. And so if we at least sort of try and start off at home, then then we can see how we go and actually it ended up being brilliant and Elliot was born in the, in this very room that I'm sitting in now oh wow and so rather than having to go into a hospital and uh <laughs> bye Elliot Elliot's being taken away by his dad now so <laughs> actually talk <laughs> um yeah rather than having to sort of take that risk and uh, admittedly in Liverpool the, the women's hospital is like a separate hospital so it's not like there's a COVID ward on that hospital but even so we just decided that actually if we can do it at home that would be one less risk. Yeah. But now the rates are really low. This Indian variant is definitely really worrying. But um, I'm feeling I'm feeling positive at the moment, partly because I got my first dose of the vaccine last weekend. Mm-hmm. And so did my husband. And so right. it's, yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. We also got married in lockdown. So, you know, just Amazing. <laughs> all the life events happened in lockdown. <laughs> so, yeah, you, how's, how's that as well? You've gone through two of kind of the landmark things in life your first child and a wedding yeah whilst whilst not really around other people no well we were we were so lucky with when the wedding happened because it was um well we, that was the other thing of like 
the week before we found out we were pregnant, we booked the wedding. So the wedding was booked. And then a week later, oh, God, I'm going to be 32 weeks pregnant by the time this wedding happens. And then a week after that, oh, God, we're going into lockdown. <laughs> so what the hell is that going to mean? But um, in the end... It's just we... how you always imagined it, right? <laughs> All of these things. Do you know what? It's, <laughs> Hopefully it's... pregnant and a global pandemic. Of course, <laughs> yeah. every girl's dream. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 ne- I mean, I wasn't a kind of... I never had particular dreams about weddings when I was little. Yeah. But it's not what we wanted. But actually, it ended up being almost a, a perfect day. Then we were only allowed... To, so the registry office we had it at in Liverpool... Around the country, the rule was 30, but because of the size of their room, it was 15 people there. So that ended up being exactly the number of people that we wanted to have to come to the ceremony. We were going to have the ceremony always quite small, and then we were going to have a big party in London the following week. Yeah. So basically, we're just going to have the big party in London the following year or two. I mean, yeah. we haven't even thought about scheduling it because at the moment, I can't see the point. But the actual day was just our closest family. They ended up coming back to our house. We had a picnic outside afterwards. The weather was really lovely. Um, and yeah, it was just, there was no stress at all. We ended the day in our pajamas eating pizza on the sofa. Um, Gold. So, you know, Gold. I mean, it's a pretty good day, right? And surely, <laughs> I mean, people talk about how stressful weddings are. Surely one of the biggest stresses is figuring out who you're obliged to invite when you don't really want to. Doing it during a pandemic erases that because you can really easily go, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's it's only a few people. <laughs> yeah, the only difficulty we would have had was if, if Elliot had arrived early, then yeah. we would have had to have uninvited someone <laughs> because he would have counted <laughs> towards the numbers. That's amazing. You can't... You can't not invite your, your newborn child. Yeah. Well, to be fair, if he had arrived earlier, we so, may have had to postpone. Sorry, Elliot, you weren't on the list and we've submitted <laughs> the numbers already. So you're going to have to sit this one out. Well, we worked out that actually we were technically allowed a photographer. So we could have just said he was the photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Get a Fisher Price camera. Yeah. Best in the business. Well, that's lovely. And it's beautiful to hear the positives in, I was going to say, a less than ideal situations but at the very least unplanned situations repeatedly unplanned situations as you say the fact that you decided on a wedding before finding out (laughs) you were going to be heavily pregnant and then before a pandemic as well and all of those things have seemed like they've kind of gone gone as good as can be expected so yeah I think we've been really really lucky it was really tough not Elliot only met his his family a couple of weeks ago so when he was sort of five months old before that point because we don't live anywhere near our families of course we couldn't go and see anyone outside and I mean what ended up happening how long had you you been in Liverpool at the time how four four years four years man it doesn't seem like that I know (laughs) um so like we've got like people around here that's great mm. and everything and like good friends but without family around you we ended up not bubbling with anyone around here because there wasn't the right person to bubble yeah. with so we'd only yeah. seen people outside no one had come in our house at all and all the things that you're sort of told will happen when you're when you have a baby it's like oh everyone will be dropping food parcels around all the time and you'll constantly have people coming and like obviously none of that happened at all so yeah. it was it was so isolating to begin with but it made when he did actually meet his family it made it all the more special and we were able to bubble with my parents and then yeah. everyone else could come and see him in the garden so it was Fantastic. that easter weekend when there was a, go- a gorgeous day of weather and then the next day it snowed so we were sort of in my parents garage with a heater and a load of blankets and elliot like wrapped up like you wouldn't believe <laughs> oh but wow it was, but we did it and it was lovely 
So yeah, yeah. I love that you were kind of reenacting a nativity in honour of, <laughs> of Elliot's arrival, and yeah, people were on, coming from far and wide with gifts on just the wrong religious festival. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been lovely to to catch up and hear what's been going on. Oh well, thanks for having me. There we go. That was Dr. Susie Gage. I hope you enjoyed that. I loved chatting to her. And someone else I loved chatting to is this next guest, who I kind of wanted to put last because he says a really good thing at the end that's a really good, as said, a Jerry's final thought type thing. But I know he's the big name on the podcast. So on each of these episodes, I'm trying to put the big name early just so you get your 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 hit of the big name. So... This is the wonderful Mr. Simon Pegg. Right, I'm here with Simon Pegg. How are you, sir? I'm okay. I've got a I've got a bit of a cold, but it, it's a, sort of um, a non-COVID ailment. I haven't been sick for like 18 months, and I think it's because of all this and this. And, and it's quite weird to have a cold in a time of <laughs> a pandemic. Yeah, it's, it's it, I saw an interesting thing that... The other day that was saying not to be doom and gloom and, and fear mongering but they were saying that this winter's flu season is going to be harder because we normally the flu jab you get data from the previous season and there was hardly any f- flu last year because everyone as you say had masks on were keeping That's their right. distance was washing that so yeah. there was no it's kind of <laughs> it, it protected us from covid but from everything else which means now we're going to go as you say oh my god have, have you seen these things called colds they're really <laughs> uncomfortable. The, the common cold is going to be hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, the point of these conversations is to chat for 10, 15 minutes about kind of how your mental health has been during the pandemic. And it's an interesting one because you were one of the last people I saw before all this happened because you had your your 50th, which was such an amazing bringing together of people that the world had to come to an end for at least a year to to recover from that. So, But I know at, from speaking t- t- to you on that night, you were straight off to be working on, on more Mission Impossible. So how was it when it all kind of all, all fell apart as such? Obviously, such a year that you had such planned for and you know, and, and a big number on the birthday front, all that kind of thing. And all of a sudden it's like, this that probably wasn't how you expected to spend that year, I guess. No, it was strange. And, and it was, I feel like my party was the last social event of 2020. Yeah. And I look back on it and, and it, it was such a kind of great night. And then, yeah, I went to LA after that to, to do some, to pitch some stuff. And even then it started to feel like things were, you know, it's like the beginning of a disaster movie. It was like, it was literally like the beginning of a zombie movie. There were, you know, reports coming in from hither and thither. And then I got back and we were supposed to shoot in Venice and I was told to hold off. Like the, the, the day I got back from LA, I was going to the next morning and I got a call from the first AD saying, don't come, um, wow. we'll come bring you in on Wednesday. And then of course I didn't come in on Wednesday and then the whole thing got shut down. And before you knew it, we were in, in lockdown. I did go snowboarding actually. I, I, I my last, I had an opportunity because the shoot stopped and I thought, well, I, we're not going to shoot. So if I do hurt my leg or something, yeah, like, right. But then I, I, I was I was like the last man out of Switzerland. I could, you know, they were shut in the border as I flew home. So, yeah, and then it was just then it was lockdown, which I kind of liked, you know. Yeah, I was going to say how how was that? Because I'm I'm, I'm saying it a lot in these because this is an industry that doesn't really acknowledge the fact that 
families exist and holidays are needed and 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 real lives exist. So it was kind of beautiful to see you. I mean, you joined Instagram and, and returned to, to to some form of social media, but dog walks aside, which we will get to, it was nice to see that you were getting to play games with your family and stuff like that. Last time you were on the podcast, we spoke about how games were important when you were awake because you could link up and build yeah. things and play and, and engage. So, yeah, how was that to have that extra time to be doing these things in, in, in the room as such? Well, the first lockdown... Last year, I was facing going out quite a long period of time to shoot. And then I was given this little state of execution to, to just be with my family, which was lovely. I had a lot of writing to do, which I wasn't sure when I was going to do pre-lockdown. And then suddenly I had the opportunity to work every day. So I, I kind of treated it as a, an opportunity to get some stuff done that I needed to do. And I managed to do a lot of, I kept me sane. I was every day at 10 o'clock, I'd meet with my writing partner and we'd write all day. And I was just at home, which was lovely. And then towards the end of the year, then I got, we got back into shooting and we went away. We shot in Norway and, and, and Italy. And um, that was all very rigorously kind of protocol. There was a lot of, a lot of testing, a lot of staying in the hotel, a lot of mask wearing. Europe were very good with their masks. Italy, everybody was wearing a mask. It was yeah. actually quite comforting i've i've i found that in canada i felt like as someone who's such a strong mask proponent i felt like i was the the anti-masker in canada because every now and then i'd be just out in the country and not not thinking about having one on and i will walk past someone wearing a mask i thought oh no i no i didn't know i was gonna i didn't know i was gonna (laughs) see anyone i'm not making a point yeah i'm not making a statement (laughs) here yeah yeah no, it was it was encouraging. Then I got back here and it was very strange because I went into the dentist. I ventured into town one day and there were like people not wearing masks and it felt very odd. Did the dentist have extra masks on? Because that's one of the yeah, few people who normally a wears mask a mask. On mask. <laughs> yeah, the double. <laughs> they didn't wear masks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I joined Instagram towards Christmas just because I kind of thought, oh, well, why not? I, 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 I sort of had a little secret account on it that I was like a sharing with family and friends kind of thing but I'd never had a public account you know so I thought I'll give that a go it's been fun and and did you change your approach coming into having an Instagram account because again like we've also spoken before I think about how the reason you left Twitter and social media in general because it wasn't something that you were feeling was giving you positivity or breeding positivity or nurturing positivity and it feels like with instagram you've you've come into it not i wouldn't say clear on what you want to do because again it's also beautiful to to watch you learn uh you know a a a platform that's been around ages and everyone else you've not been on it so you're like i'm gonna try instagram (laughs) stories tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) big deal (laughs) but yeah was it a conscious thing to go right i'm gonna make this about positive and enjoy I'm, I'm going to come on here to enjoy it rather than live on here and scroll and whatever else yeah i think it, it's a it's a platform which lends itself to that far more than than twitter which is the discourse app you know and, yeah. and it's become like it's very easy to just argue I, I i left twitter for a number of reasons but one of them was that i felt very available but i don't mind that on instagram that it feels like it feels like more of a community it's a visual sharing platform it feels le- much less 
toxic. In fact, it doesn't feel toxic at all. I, yeah. I you know, I've had absolutely no problems with negativity on there. It's just, it just, and I'd seen my friends doing it. A couple of the people I've been away with shooting mission, I'd seen them having a really fun time. And I, thought, oh, I want to do that. So that's why I did it. Yeah. So uh, have you found dog walking to be a, a, a good help in these, in these weird times? Because as I, 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 I spoke to you about genuinely, I don't think I went in, into detail, but when you started doing your dog walks, I was in Vancouver. I was shooting for seven months, and I was on my own in isolation. And yeah. they they genuinely really helped because there was a few things where it was just hearing British people that, that I'm familiar with <laughs> living their lives was, was was such a good thing. So each morning I'd wake up and and enjoy your your, your dog walk story. So was the the walking in general a good thing in this period for your mental health and then the turning it into a thing as such because i know you're someone who likes to work and likes to be creating something so making up stories about what willow's up to and who who's who's being rescued was that a good part of to keep your brain ticking over i guess yeah you know what before before i started sort of documenting it i i I'd done it every single day. Like we, you know, just because my, my wife and I are often very busy with the school run and stuff, we'll, we'll have someone come around and walk the dogs for us when we can't always do it. Lockdown and that we couldn't do that. So I was just out every single day and I was really sort of treasuring those moments in the morning as a way of sort of censoring myself and getting out and being in nature. And I'm lucky enough to live out in the countryside. So there's lots of space and nobody around. So um, that was a really important part of my ritual in, in the first lockdown. And then, yeah, just those little, I don't know, it's like you feel like you're talking to someone, like a, just one person when yeah. uh, you uh, do those little dog walk reports, you know. And also, I'm still quite a, a, a private person. I feel like giving over a little bit of willow cookie and myrtle it feels like a concession to some private access, you know. Like I wouldn't really... I mean, you hear my daughter on here sometimes and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm much more laid back about that than I used to be. I used to be so paranoid, so tightly anti any kind of sort of uh, divulging of any information. Like we didn't mention that Tilly had been born. We didn't mention her name in anything. Now it's like, actually, oh, Simon, you know, but I feel like the dogs are a nice way of being a little bit forthcoming. Yeah, I, 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 I love that. And I think there is a, I think with all those things, finding what you're comfortable sharing it's it's an element of putting the control in your hands rather than feeling exactly. you're trying to keep everything away. And then if anything gets mentioned, you suddenly feel, even if it's not a big deal, you feel, well, that's an intrusion. You know? Yeah. It, I, so if you're kind of going, here's what I'm, I'm willing to share. And then you find a nice middle ground. Yeah. You own the, you own the sort of the narrative kind of thing. And, and you know, you're spoken about in the media or whatever, in, in, in terms of your private life, you feel a little bit, no, 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 stay away from that. But it's yours to kind of. Yeah. You know, I love my 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 home life, and I I do have a family. I'm a normal person. Cookie, come here. Cookie. I'm going to show you Cookie because she's right here. Cookie, come here. Come on. Cookie. All right. Come here. No she's interest whatsoever. <laughs> oh, that's it. Look at her just <laughs> looking uninterested. Like why? <laughs> I'm the one in charge here. Stop trying to put me on the television or like a pushy stage mom. <laughs> <laughs> you were just talking about privacy and now now know, you're trying right? to force me onto camera. I, I love have it. No respect for my dog's privacy. So um, what else has been good for you in this period for keeping you entertained and keeping are you sane? I've seen obviously you've always been a big 
music fan. I've seen you talking about a few different games. Has has those kind of entertainment things been key to allow you that breather rather than, again, just to give my own experience, at the start I had similar where I was working on loads of scripts and writing constantly and I had to get to a point where I'd go, well, I'm also allowed to not. You know, I, we yeah. are in we are in a global pandemic. It's wonderful I'm being productive, but there shouldn't be this pressure on you to be well. You've got time off now, so why haven't you written four scripts? Yeah, you could it's have like, time off and have time off. Totally, you've got a reason to. Suddenly, there were reasons to do things, not to do things that you always felt compelled to do. Like I felt kind of maybe it's my, and I'm not an antisocial person at all, but I really like not having to answer the door. <laughs> <laughs> like it was sorry like someone had to drop a parcel and it was like put it there <laughs> yeah I, I kind of relished that which was a yeah. bit weird 100 percent. but i no i one thing i really enjoyed doing is tilly is a big horror movie buff like she, well she's become a horror movie buff even more so in the last year so we've been watching lots of every weekend we'll watch a classic horror movie or, or you know we'll go we'll oscillate between contemporary and classic and yeah We've come across some great new horrors, and um, we watched a great film called Honeydew recently, which I, I really liked. And uh, she loves Korean culture because she's she's discovered K-pop, and so she has this real thirst for sort of Korean movies, which is great because we have an incredible output. Yeah, and um, yeah, and we'll play games together, and uh, that's been really fun. That kind of you know just hoovering up various different cultures has been great. How's that being around or having? k-pop in the house and i'll explain why because it becomes if you're not experiencing it it becomes kind of almost a meme (laughs) like a joke thing but then when you're actually hearing those yeah there's a reason it's big because there is really catchy and well-written stuff and all that kind of thing but if you're never heard it you've just heard the term k-pop and you're like oh god kids kids are into that and all that so so how's it been actually having it there Well, I was quite dismissive at first. I was like, oh, you know, because I'm, you know me, I'm, I'm just an old music snob and I like what I like. And Tilly's got a good music taste. Like, she's grown up like music that I've introduced to her. So she's got a very eclectic, very non-prejudicial music taste. Like she has, unlike me, I'm a bit guarded about stuff, about what's cool and what's not. She's like, no, everything, everything. So she she started, she sent me this one track by them, by BTS called Dynamite. And I was like, oh, this is, it sounds like Jackson 5. This is great. <laughs> and then And then I start watching YouTube clips with her. And then she introduced me to one of BTS has a rap album under the name Augusty, which is really good. And so I've kind of like, and now I see them every day because she's always watching these. There, there's endless YouTube footage of them. Yeah. And now I know every single one of their names, and I've got my favorite one. <laughs> it's like you can't help it; you just get involved. I love it, and again, I love that kind of. It's easy as you get older to be dismissive of any new thing, but then you've got to realize it's getting big for a reason. There must be something in it, and Absolutely. it can be fun to find that. It can be fun to go, look, I don't get this, but I want to understand it. W- w- why yes. is it big? I had it with loads of different rappers over the years. I started off as one of those people who differentiates between rap and hip-hop. You know, they're yes. very different things. And then I was like, well, no, they're not. Don't be <laughs> – you're just being a snob and saying, oh, only the intelligence or this or that, and yeah. It could four be fun, fun to explore. Yeah, exactly. The four elements and, and nothing else. So, I mean, how are you feeling as we start to come out the, the other end of this? Obviously, you've had tasters of 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 it with filming because mm. productions have got the budgets to do these things safely. So you've you, it's. I think it can be a really kind of good 
soft launch in into the real world and into society yeah. and socializing because you do it but you've still got to eat in your trailer on your own which again yeah. is another thing that i wasn't mad about i'm not gonna lie i kind of <laughs> there's certain things in this in this change that i'm like oh i've got to just be in here on my own and, and watch what i want to watch and be in my oh that's a shame but yeah, yeah, yeah. so how, how how are you finding that 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 easing back in or the idea of it i guess well it has been like you say it has been a kind of like a soft opening of society and i feel like it's almost been slightly not deceptive because I know exactly what's going on in the rest of the world, but it has enabled me to be social and see my work friends and feel like things are at least a little bit back to normal. Everyone's wearing masks on set. The cast are the only ones that don't. We take our masks obviously for takes, although I did forget to take my classic pandemic blooper <laughs> number one on Mission Impossible. I started doing a take and I still have my mask on. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, that's been that's been nice. It's been it's given me the opportunity to get out of the house and and sort of like be around people and stuff. I you know for people who have been cooped up together for long time, I guess that's that must be you know obviously it's, it's difficult. So I feel lucky to have been able to do that for sure. Yeah, I love that. Um, do, do you feel? I mean, this isn't about the pandemic or mental health at all. But how long do you think? Rebecca worked on her escalator mime because it was flawless. Just watching that, it was honestly, I was watching and I was like, what's going on? Does she know that you're filming? And then just, it was honestly, the smoothness of going down the escalator behind you was was quite wonderful. That was a, just a lightning in a bottle. Although she'll, she'll do it on cue, obviously. It's a, it's a skill that she's developed and is very proud of. And I'm sure we'll see it again. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait. She's a great person to have around just because... She's always been Mission Impossible World is such a crazy world, and she's always been my sort of um, co normality litmus test amid all the craziness. So it's 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 always great to have her on set. She's fun. I, I love it. Is there t- to wrap things up? Is there anything that you've kind of learned or been exposed to because of the pandemic that you want to kind of take forward, whether it be you know being more open to what your your family are listening to or doing or taking time to play games or tell stories on Instagram or whatever else? All of that, you know, and I suppose if there's anything that's kind of a kind of revelation, it's running a production company with Nick. We've realized that we don't actually need to have an office in central London. We don't need to have that overhead. We can all, we all meet on Zoom every Monday and Wednesday to catch up with each other and, you know, look at the slate and talk. And I feel like that's going to be, the, the 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 sort of aftermath of this will be a lot of empty offices in central London. I think there's going to be a strange sort of property shift, and it's it's made me realise that which is dangerous. I don't have to leave home as much as I thought I did. <laughs> and for someone who likes being at home, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of dangerous. I'll just never never leave the house. Yeah, it kind of feels as if everyone's been let in on our secret that 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 it's really nice being yeah. at home, and you don't actually it's like. No, yeah. don't. You can't all be in on it. But I guess if it means that we can do things over Zoom, then yeah, it works nicely. But that that shouldn't be. Obviously, the danger of that is that it, it excludes the idea of actual physical interaction with people, which which shouldn't be lost. Because this is, I'd much rather be sat with you in a in a room than than this. But obviously, this is it's handy, and and at the moment, it's, it's necessary. I, but, um, I fear that that you may be to blame for me never socialising again, and I'll explain why because. People always ask me if I'm going to do any any gigs again, but I love the fact that I went out on the biggest gig I'd ever, or, or one of the biggest gigs I'd ever done. It was at Best of All. There was 10,000 people. Everyone knew it was our last gig, so they all sung the words and all knew everything. 
So I like going out on a high. And the last social event I was at had Olivia Coleman, (laughs) yourself, Gillian Anderson, uh, Tom Cruise, so many amazing people that I'm like, well, maybe I don't socialise again because I've gone out on a high there. That is kind of a a peak and a pinnacle that I'm probably not going to match. So it, it was a crazy part. I, I, it was for the, the longest time last year. It just felt like that kind of a, it was fate. It was literally the last party ever yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when the pandemic was, was rearing its head. But um, no, things will, re- things will, we will return to normal, but we are forever affected by this and it will, will carry positive and negative into the future. But hopefully it's all lessons that we've learned and, you know, about each other and about ourselves. I sound like the end of a special episode of Blossom. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's it, we have to take it forward as a positive experience. And it has been positive, even though the second lockdown has been harder and a little more arduous. But, I mean, well done, everybody who who's to it. And, you know, hopefully we'll see the, the, the numbers go down. It's perfect. Uh, Simon, thank you for taking the time. It's been a pleasure as ever. My pleasure, buddy. There we go. That was Simon Pegg. And I genuinely, I genuinely do believe that his party may have caused all of this because, mate, there were some crazy people there. I, I forgot to mention Henry Cavill, just all sorts of mad people. JJ Abrams, Edgar Wright, Adam Buxton. I chatted to Adam Buxton about it on the, on the episode he was on during the pandemic, actually. So a few months ago. So go back and check that out. N- next up, another person that, I've had a really good conversation with in the past, or several, because I was on her podcast and she was on my podcast. This is the wonderful Connie Huck. Right, I'm here today with Connie Huck. How are you? I'm good, actually. Yeah, it's sunny. It's been sunny lately. So, yeah, things are looking up. I've had my second jab as well. Oh, really? I had my first jab yesterday. I've had both. (laughs) You've had both now. That's impressive. Yeah. And how are you feeling with it all? Yeah, fine. I mean, I was actually on a vaccine trial, which is why I've got both already. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm not in the age category. I'll point out to have had both already. But, yeah, it's it's yeah, it feels like we're moving to the next phase. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I was out of the country when I was first offered my first jab, so I was worried I was going to not get a chance to to have it for ages but I was was amazed at how smooth and easy it was I literally was in and out in a couple of minutes if that yeah they've done a great job of rolling it out quickly yeah I still worry that the good job they've done of rolling it out quickly is going to make people forget the bad job they've done of the pandemic anyway but but let's talk about mental health rather than I doubt (laughs) yes let's talk mental health um the point of these chats is to spend 10, 15 minutes, kind of talking about how your mental health has been during the pandemic and the impact it's had. So how's it all been? Like, how have you been? Have you had any particular low points? Have you had any found any coping mechanisms? But how have you been? I can't say that I've had many low points. You know, I'm weirdly, I'm kind of quite an introverted person anywhere, I think. Yeah. And actually, I think the pandemic for me had ticked the pressure off having to juggle loads of things and sort of be all things to everyone. And actually, you know, from a carbon footprint point of view, well-being of our planet point of view, it hasn't been a bad thing. And it's enabled people to slow down, consumerism to slow down, life to slow down. So 
so I, for me personally, and you know, I'm lucky in that I've got a great loving family. I've got a garden. I feel that I'm in a good place and a good position. I think it's maybe actually, you know, not really affected my mental well-being as much as, you know, many other people. Obviously, it's absolutely devastating. It's terrible. You know, the loss of life, the illness, all of that, you know, is really, really tragic. And I think at first it was affecting me because I was watching the daily briefings and reading all the news and sort of on the past. And the more I switch off from the outside world in general, the happier I am. And I'm kind of, you know, in my own bubble at the minute, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, I love that. So, so, so do you feel it's kind of allowed you some breaks from anxiety? You've had um, books out in this period. And generally, when you're releasing things, there's a responsibility to do countless promotional things whether it be launch events or attending interviews or radio or or whatever else and I remember from my music days that stuff would always catch me off guard I'd be like I made an album I'm really pleased I'm looking forward to touring it and then there'd be this extra bit that you're like all right I've got to turn up and smile and be on be, be be pip as such which often caught me off guard so do you kind of feel the pandemic gave you a little bit more control in that. And you could obviously, if you're doing stuff, it's over Zoom and there's more control there. You're, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, you don't have to rush to a place. I'm quite militant about wanting to do my own children's drop-offs and pickups, which yeah. means I've only got between nine and three, which means more or less of a day, I'd always be whizzing around everywhere. And actually we don't need to rush into town to put a meeting that can be done you know remotely all that travel all that carbon footprint it does it's it's not necessary and I think in life as well you know there's a terrible thing of judgment and competition and I think that's sort of been eased up with the pandemic as well happiness does come from helping each other and not helping yourself but especially when you're sort of city living in you know, a consumer environment, it's easy to forget that. Yeah, completely. Um, and as you say, it's been easier in this time to switch off if you need to, because you are, you're literally at home. So you have control over that tap of if you let things in or not. Whereas when you are having to to go out to events, to meetings, to whatever else it may be, mm-hmm. it's particularly in these industries, there is always comparison competition of who yeah. who else is releasing at this time who are your yeah. who who you're up against w- yeah. where you should be achieving whereas the control is there in or has been there in these times to go right now I'm going to f- focus on what I'm doing yeah and, and be pleased with that rather than what everyone else exactly and there is the real thing to you know whether you are part of it or not you know the mainstream and the populist route is something that, you know, to many people isn't their bag or isn't appealing. But when you're surrounded by the culture and the environment we're in, it's so easy to get caught up in all that. Yeah. Because you kind of feel you shouldn't. You often do things to please others as well. And really, you know, you should be doing things to sort of please yourself and the people that you would want sort of endorsement from or, you know, the people that you rate. It's great if the people you rate rate you back. Yeah, and everyone else can just be a bonus, but you can't please everyone all the time. Completely, it's crazy in these industries how 
you'll get a negative review from somewhere and it's somewhere you've never heard of in your life it's not something you respect but it will break you and get through because you're in launch modes so you're hyper aware of all the positive and negative and yeah you do have to take a step back and go well it's fine for them to have that opinion. I, I've not cared about their opinion. I've never heard of that person. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Th- they're allowed to have that opinion, and it shouldn't affect me in a negative. And light. opinions can be made in a split second, off the cuff, not with all the information to hand. Yeah, and performatively as well, particularly in the reviewing world, opinions yeah. can be performative in this day and age because you know Absolutely. you're looking to get clicks and attention. Yeah, but then bigger weight is given to things that are recorded and we seem to record everything now yeah yeah social media is sort of recording often inane thoughts that would have just been gone forever that come in and out of your brain all the time because that's how we are as people yeah you know we're always thinking we're always doing stuff and life is getting faster and faster and faster for millions of years we were hunter gatherers with not much progress and not much change and then with everything that happens, settlements, the harnessing of energy, learning how to convert energy to different forms, technology, every little bit of progress leads to so many other bits of progress. Now the rate is just exponential. Yeah. And things are just changing all the time really quickly. And actually, it's not necessarily a good thing because it's a slower pace of life can be really good for your mental well-being. Yeah. So, so how have I mean? You mentioned um, a strictness on being there for for drop offs and pickups of your children. How's it been having the the pressures of not only being a good parent but being a good teacher in 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 these times? A lot of my friends who are parents, I feel it was from what I've spoken to them, they felt more pressure early on, and then it relaxed a bit. But when there was all of a sudden the kids are at home you're now in charge of their education how was that were you kind of well let's all take a bit of a break or were you I need to to teach and be strict yeah the first time there wasn't really a set timetable or set things to do second lockdown it was so much more rigid and that was like another pressure back you know I have having you know had lockdown with not that much pressure but as a society, we set ourselves these targets and we beat them ourselves up when we can't reach them. Yeah. And actually, maybe we should set our standards a bit lower uh, and not just continually berate ourselves or feel that we don't match up to other people or match up to the mark. You know, because all we want in the long run is mental well-being and happiness. Yeah. You can't really want more than being happy, you and your family. And, you know, the more people that are happy across the globe the better uh, and I think people conflate that with other things and other goals and other targets but really happiness is the ultimate target and what more can we want as a society than happiness for all and it's realizing where that comes from and the path to get to that and people often think it comes from red herrings essentially yeah I completely agree I think it's there was a period years back when it, it became the norm that a country's success or how well a country is doing became based on its GDP and it was all on on financial things. And I think that's bled down mm-hmm. massively into into us as humans and as families and whatever else. And mm-hmm. our success as humans is based on the wrong things so regularly. Yeah. Because, again, yeah. there's countries that 
aren't doing as good f- 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 financially maybe, but have genuinely caring and happy societies and communities. And yes. that should be what things are, are gauged on rather than who's who's turning over the most profit at the exactly. expense of, 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 of happiness and everything else. Yeah, totally. I 100% agree with that. Given the choice of, you know, happiness and not so much money or sadness and lots of money, I, I'm still not convinced that people wouldn't go for the lots of money because they just think, oh, well, if I've got lots of money, of course I can be happy. Yeah. But the two don't necessarily go hand in hand. It can help. Yeah. It can do the opposite as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, as we start to wrap up, um, you mentioned switching off and and I came on your your podcast some time ago um, about stepping away from social media. How's that been in this time? Because I found particularly when I was in isolation on my own, for better or worse, I was on social media m- m- more than ever. And it was I, th- I feel it was because there was a, l- a lack of choices of human contact and human interaction, and it felt like my only route to engaging with people. And I said, I say f- for better or for worse, because this pandemic has had some horrific things going on in the world. And if you're on s- social media a lot, that can become your whole world so how how have you found has it been easy to to switch off and step away has family helped that has having family to focus on been a part of that for me it's not very hard to step away from social media because I've never really done it I was never on Facebook or anything and I was only on Twitter I only got on Twitter for a work thing some years ago and so sometimes I forget about Twitter for ages I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't been on Twitter. Like, yeah. I actually now I can't think when I was last on Twitter. Like, maybe some weeks ago, I can't even remember when I lost. You know, and sometimes the book people will tweet things from my account. But yeah, yeah, I, I I've hardly been on social media in the pandemic. What I have done is been able to have phone conversations with people a lot, and people that are you know were often busy before working nine to five jobs and so on and so forth. I'm a real phone person, you know, I can chat for hours to people on the phone. And, you know, I've actually even managed to sort of reconnect with people that, you know, I do the cursory meetup and the how are you and all of that. And you kind of don't get past that chunk of conversation to get to the nitty gritty because you don't have that renewal constantly because people are so busy. Whereas now in the pandemic, you know, there's several people where I'll just chat to them really regularly yeah. and we can pick up where we've left off and we've got into the sort of habit or the space where it doesn't matter if someone rings and it's a missed call and then the other and you can keep missing each other and you don't feel like you're hassling each other or stalking each other because we've got into that sort of pattern yeah I, I, I love that the new availability of, of of people in this time has been a real thing I mean I found it on the podcast front I've probably had guests on I would never have normally got because we're doing it over zoom and everyone's at home so yeah. it's that kind of like right oh, oh you can make make yeah. time then yeah. so so how do you feel as we start to come out of this have you got any anxiety in returning to the 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 real world as such is there anything that you want to continue and take with are you going to continue to be of a phone person and really keeping these these reconnections connected 
you know what? I've always been a phone person and all my really good friends, you know, my closest friends are all phone people too. It's whether, you know, the others that have switched to phoning will have to switch back to being busy with their, you know, nine to five jobs or whatever. Um, That remains to be seen. There is a bit of anxiety involved around having to do things in person. Yeah. Because I'm quite happy in my bubble, really. Yeah. And we don't need loads of people. We need a handful, probably, of really good friends, really, really good friends that make you laugh, that you could just spend forever with. Maybe, you know, you can count them all on two hands, probably. And then, you know, there's loads of other friends that are great for this situation, that situation to catch up with or whatever. But I think now with social media and so on and so forth, people just think, oh, it's, you know, they want loads and to be really popular and stuff and you know you can't you spread yourself so thin you can't yeah. have that real connection with that many people it's yeah. just not sustainable yeah i completely agree agree having that core group of friends that again like one of the things i've been slightly anxious about is kind of that there's there's this this thing as we come out that everyone's excited to catch up again and meet up in person and i'm thinking <laughs> Half of these people I never used to meet up with in person. That wasn't our relationship. We've yeah. always been a kind of, it's, it, that's not us. There are people that I, I am excited to see, but now there seems to be this this pressure. I'm in a few uh, WhatsApp groups and half the people I've never met in my life, yet they're really putting the pressure on to all catch up and have this big gathering. And I'm like, that wasn't the case before this. Yeah. I don't know why it needs to be now. It's, it's fine. I've got my people I'll catch up with, but yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's a weird balance. Yes, totally. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come on and have a chat. It's been a pleasure as ever. Likewise. And, yeah, we'll have to touch base again after after it all to see whether it lived up to our expectations. Yeah, how the adjustments stick. Yes, exactly, exactly. There we go. That was Connie Huck. Always a joy to talk to and to be around. Next up, I wanted to speak to a frontliner. And a year or two ago, I had had PC Leon McLeod on the podcast. Now, Leon was one of the first responders on the um, London Bridge terror attack in 2017, I believe. And he ended up getting a tattoo of one of my lyrics to kind of commemorate it to commemorate the positivity and the resilience of of London in the face of some horrible stuff. So that was mad. But I spoke to Leon a few times during the pandemic and I know it had its ups and downs and it was confusing. So I thought I'd grab him for a quick chat. So here is PC Leon McLeod. Right, I'm here today with Leon McLeod. How are you, Leon? I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm a little bit a little bit tired and ever so slightly hungover, but yeah. but I'm I'm pretty good. <laughs> um, that's good to hear. the The point of these podcasts, as you know, is to talk to people about how their mental health has been in the pandemic and how they're feeling as we start to come out the other side. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is you're a police officer, so I you're am. a front aligner. So you've been at the front of a lot of this you're also a black man and that there's been a lot going on in this Mm. period for for black people and it's kind of a weird paradox for you I think because or I assume because Mm. the police have had a lot of negativity in this period and you can argue 
well-earned or rightfully yeah. so. And it must be weird for you to be on, on both sides of that as such. So how's that been for your mental health? Well, to clarify, if anyone hasn't heard before, when you came on last time, we spoke a lot about your mental health and yeah, yeah. the, the str- str- struggles you'd had previously. So, yeah, how's it been, man? How are you? It's been um, it's been crazy. I guess it's been it's been ugh, the one thing I've kind of realised now as well. Is it's been I think no matter kind of how much previous um, sort of mental health, well, if any, for people that maybe haven't had any mental health issues before, um, it's been difficult for them as well. Like speaking to my friends who haven't really openly had any issues that they're aware of. So I guess yeah, I. I I didn't expect it. The first lockdown, I mean, I don't know what one we, we've just come out of now, but yeah. the first one was the one that it kind of caught me by surprise as to how much I'd kind of started going down a bit of a slippery slope again. And thankfully, again, I guess my past experiences meant I realised and, and snapped out of it and, and spoke to people and, and got the help I needed to. But yes, yeah, it's, it's been it's been crazy. And then like you say, with, with stuff like um, with George Floyd, yeah, it, it's... I don't know, in a weird way, like work was a bit quieter. And, and I think I kind of had this sort of reflective moment. And <laughs> what, yeah, <laughs> I had a mate text me one day who's also in a job. And he was just like, do you think like we've got a, a racism problem like in the police now? And it was, it's, it's crazy. It's, it was mm. a really weird thing. And yeah, it's been, um, it's been a mad, what, year, year and a half now, a year or so. Yeah. But, but yeah, just, just like everybody else, you just got to kind of keep working through it, I guess. That's all you can do. How was it working through it? Because initially it was implied a lot of the applying of the rules was going to mm. be on the shoulders of the of the police force. It didn't necessarily go like that. There were certain responsibility, but businesses had to have certain responsibilities yeah. as well. Individuals taking individual responsibility. So it's been a really m- m- mixed <laughs> one. But how was that initial period where you're kind of, people are probably c- 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 kind of think, you're the enemy because they don't understand yeah. what's going on and they're probably yeah. nervous. But then equally, you're probably g- g- going to be thinking at points, well, what am I going to have to do here? Like, what are we going to have to police? Because what you do will have changed massively. There's no football matches. There's no big public gatherings that would normally be a police presence affair. All yeah. of that was gone. So I guess your day-to-day changed massively. It did. It's It was really surreal. It was really difficult to start because you know, I'm going to be brutally honest and I, I can't speak for every single police officer um, out there, but it was difficult to know exactly what <laughs> the rules are, which I'm, I'm sure mm. a lot of people will agree with from from what the government advice is, but we won't go into that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, to some extent, it was difficult to even know specifically. And I, and I know even from from things that have been in the press as well of, of how often the wrong legislation has been used for charging people for COVID kind of breaches and stuff. So yeah, at the start, I mean, to be fair, and I, I remember I spoke to you about it, like at the time, like especially yeah. in that first lockdown, the vast, vast majority of people were adhering to what they were being advised to do and what we were being told to do. And, you know, it's always up a police officer's discretion then as to how they deal with it. So again, my, my personal experiences from when I've had to speak to people is that they've generally been kind of on side with me saying, can you go home or, or whatever that is. Um, and it's not been any real pushback, but you know, I'm sure that's not been the case for a lot of other people. And it is hard because I know where some of the guidelines are so wishy-washy and you should do this if you can, but if you can't, then it's, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So it doesn't make sense. So yeah, I, I, it's really hard to kind of be really strict on people, but I, I, my personal experience is that, yeah, I think most people that had to 
have been out and about and have been doing stuff have been kind of doing it for the right reasons and yeah it's, it was a difficult one to enforce because I get why people sometimes just need to get out and out and about as well so it's it's just been weird it's it's never yeah. what I would have expected to be doing when I when I started this job to be honest it's a really odd one um how how was it either for you or talking to friends when different protests started coming about because that was an interesting time because the the right to protest is a really mm. important right and obviously there's some battles going on in that in in, mm-hmm. in in law at the moment but the right to protest is important but a pandemic is important so it's it means that all of those situations will have been even more wrought with emotion because anyone there is there because they feel they really have to be it's not the kind of usual yeah like i've got mates who will will, will want to protest for something but they'll take their their kids and everyone will go yeah. along and it's a day out. And that's a positive thing. I think that should be, I think we should be yeah. bringing kids up to know that they've, they've got a right to stand up for what they believe in. But during a pandemic, that isn't as much the case. It felt like the people there were people who felt they absolutely had to be there. It's not a day out. It's not necessarily just for an Instagram picture, which I think has become a habit in protesting mm. as well. So how was that with, with, with the, the Black Lives Matter protests, the the anti lockdown protests. There was a lot of different things going on. Um, oh, it's a really difficult one. So I think, like you say, I, I, I'm not just trying to kind of be the happy little policeman, but I, I agree. Like you say, I think everyone, you're, I think there's a right to protest, and I think there's, there is a, a place for it. To be honest, you know, yeah. um, as long as it's kind of done in the right way, and I, I think it's really difficult because with this bill that's coming through. I, I don't know if that would have a massive impact on on how how protests are policed. I would like to think it would kind of still go in a similar way. Yeah. But but I don't know. I, I really don't know how how it would be enforced. Um, and I guess until it was actually necessary and it was passed and it was enforced, then it's impossible to say. It's 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 one of the tough things with any legislation. Is yeah. on paper. That's generally the the highest level of which it can be enforced, and that's exactly. where people get nervous and panic. Exactly, but the reality could be very different. Yeah, but then equally, it's understandable to go. Well, technically, they're saying that they could do this, this, or this. Then it's yeah, understandable to be be panicked as well. And and that's it. And it does kind of, in that sense, I, I get why why people are a bit like you say a bit nervous about it, a bit worried about it. I'd like to think it wouldn't just be a case of um, you know. Any, any protest is immediately shut down because generally speaking, that's not, well, certainly in my time in policing, that's never how we police things. Um, mm. Most protests are generally, there are certain agreements, I guess, in place as to where, where it'll be. And, and, you know, that's all agreed beforehand anyway. So it's never normally just this, you know, wake up in the morning and a massive protest happens. It doesn't yeah. usually happen like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that's how it would generally stay. <sighs> I've policed, I've been at some of them with work as well. And, I still, I weirdly, I still think you get kind of some people that are tagging along for a day out, especially um, mm. one of the last lockdown marches that was on. Um, like, yeah, <laughs> when, when you're when you're sort of fighting with kids around um, Regent's Park at whatever o'clock at night, it's, it's not. I mean, that's that's not the protest. So I yeah. guess again, that's probably at some point where that that bill and legislation and stuff has been written in to kind of be able to go, okay, this is this is stupid. Now this isn't yeah. what anyone's here to to do but yeah it's it's just been a it's just been crazy it's been really surreal and, and even like I say policing those kind of things it's not really been like especially black lives matter it's not been like anything 
I had done before and and you could sense like the emotion was very different to to kind of other other events and other things I've been involved in there, there was just something it was a different atmosphere it was just not 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 in a bad way but it was just a very different atmosphere and yes yeah, it's, it's it's strange how did you feel going and policing things like the the black lives matter protests as a black officer was there a different feeling or any nerves or any kind of different reactions i guess it was generally i still didn't get, there was not really a negative reaction it wasn't too bad i think especially the first week of the black lives matter mm. protest it was generally quite um sensible there wasn't really any trouble it wasn't perfect but it was kind of the the more it went on and the more it, ugh, i don't know again I, certain people that maybe didn't have the best intentions are sort of latching onto things or and there were kind of anti black lives matter thing you know groups that are coming up the following week as well so that's where it become a little bit <laughs> more difficult shall we say but yeah. um listen I, i'm 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 proud of my background and i'm proud of my job so it's really odd because I, I think i've said it before i spoke to people like, i i can honestly sit there and say like i haven't seen issues within policing and racism but i'm i'm also not naive enough to go that policing's perfect and that there's you know there's no bad eggs there so yeah it was it was just interesting it was an interesting thing and it was a, a, a kind of an interesting thing to be a part of I guess to be to be working it because I was even sort of stood there at times thinking would I would I be kind of part of this protest if I, yeah. I wasn't at work like I generally would I be here if I had the day yeah, off <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> I was kind of asking myself those questions as well and yeah like it's yeah. I think it was. I think it was important. I think it's important to kind of ask yourself those questions as well yeah. and reflect on stuff. It's you know, if nothing else, all this time we've had on our hands, it's, it's been a good time to kind of reflect on stuff. So yeah, it, w- it would have been such a weird situation to be able to go to work on your day off because in, in general, work is everywhere for you. But if there's a Black Lives Matter protest, that is where work is that day. So that would have been really odd to be. All right, guys. All right, yes. Lads. Hi guys, I'm doing a good job. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, speaking on mental health, then you said that yeah. you identified that you were on a bit of a, spir- a downward spiral before this started. Do you feel having gone through things before gave you the coping mechanisms? It gave you the awareness t- t- to identify it. But mm. do you feel it also equipped you to deal with any downtimes when you're off work or when you're in work, you know, in this in yeah. this period? Yeah, massively. So, I mean... <laughs> Thanks to COVID, it's massively impacted on my life. So I was supposed to be moving to Guernsey. Well, I'd applied to transfer over to Guernsey Police um, that, yeah, over a year ago now, probably about 14 months ago. And then because of how COVID's come about, it's all been on hold. And Did you apply for that because you're a fan of Hot Fuzz and you want to live Absolutely. that city cop moving out to the Mate, sticks? To- <laughs> I've got, I'm going to have to send you, right, everybody needs to look up the Guernsey Police recruitment video because it's mm. incredible. And I dare anyone to not want to join Guernsey Police once you've watched that. Amazing. I'll give that a look afterwards. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like it had, it's, it's had a massive impact on me in the sense of like I applied, I, I got accepted, I had the job and then everything's just been on hold pretty much mm. off and on. It looked like then towards the end of last year, I might be able to go and then again, COVID kind of really come back with a vengeance again. So yeah, it's just been, it's been crazy. It's been so all over the place and like, I feel like I've been living in, in like this limbo again, but I can honestly say having learned from what I've well things I got wrong and and you know the things I got right previously it's massively massively helped me because um yeah it, I was kind of disappointed with myself to be honest in in that whole first lockdown because I I didn't realize like how much I'd been affected for quite a while 
And then I was, uh, yeah, sort of surprised when I realised how quite how far I'd let things slip. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it definitely was important for me, and, and it worked. It helped me that um, I had prior experience, I suppose, shall we say, of kind of yeah, me- mental health and stuff like that. So, how's it been as a parent? Because you co-parent, right? Yeah. Am I, am I yeah. c- correcting that? And yeah, which means the restrictions really affect you. You, you know, is ev- ev- yeah. everyone who co-parents? There's been it will generally mean longer periods of time where you can't, particularly in that first bit where no one really yeah. knew what we were allowed to do. Exactly that. Um, that been? It was really tough. So the, the first lockdown literally came into place, I think, I think it was more or less the day before my little boy's birthday. Um, it, was, it would have been his fourth birthday. And my plan was to just go up, see him for the day and then come back and go to work. And that seemed like a little bit un, unreasonable to be honest with the journey, I guess, if you don't need to. Mm-hmm. My ex-partner who who's very reasonable and I understand why but she was very worried about me obviously doing the job I do and coming into contact with people and then seeing my little boy and and that like you say that was because there was so much unknown about it that yeah it (laughs) I couldn't really argue with her but because I understood and 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 I know it was always for the best interest with you know my little boy's best interests and stuff like that but it was it was really really difficult (laughs) in a weird way because he was then off school for so long. Once things did settle down, and you know, once we had a better understanding, I ended up seeing him probably more than I would usually because with him not being at school all my rest days, it just meant he could come and stay with me. And yeah, so <laughs> there was there was one massive positive to be honest that came out of this this whole thing was that I got to spend a lot more time than I probably would have been able to with him. Yeah, because because there was uh, no school, so that was good. <laughs> but yeah, it's I guess there you go. Not all bad, but um. Yeah, it was certainly really tough at the start, like I say, just because that unknown and like I'm, the first time I did see him and when he came and stayed, I, I generally ended up having this panic attack because I convinced myself that I had COVID and I was just anxious that basically he wow. was going to wake up and I might not. So yeah, it was it was wow. crazy. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't much fun, I'll be honest, it wasn't. But thankfully it was, that was on my birthday as well. So it was a, a good lockdown birthday and a panic attack. Happy yeah, days. <laughs> that's a hell of a birthday then. Well, I'm glad you got th- th- through it all. Um, to round things up, how do you feel as we start to come out of this? How do you feel personally, but then also in a work p- point of view? Because we we aren't a nation of that handles l- a limitation well. We're a nation of excess. So it does feel like the first <laughs> lockdown felt like a holiday for a lot of people, but they were Definitely. all having their holiday in their houses. <laughs> it feels like when we come out of this, there could be some fucking mayhem in the streets. So is there any anxiety over over how far people will go and how much they'll push their, their limitations? Or is there an excitement to get back to the life that you knew? It's, it sounds horrible, but like, I, know, I've, I think I've already said it before, like, probably 99% of my arrests that I've made in my career, there's been either alcohol involved or, you know, under the influence of something. Yeah. And <laughs> clearly when everyone shut indoors and no one was outside, that that wasn't happening as often. Yeah. So, so you know, in that kind of weird twisted way, yeah, I, I'm excited to kind of be busy again because <laughs> like, I like my job and I, I joined for the right reasons. And, you know, I, I don't, it's, ugh, yeah, it's not fun that we always have to, talk to the, the nasty people but you know it it kind of is what it is and yeah we've well our, our calls certainly dropped a lot during like all the lockdowns but um it's gradually picking up again and yeah you know i'd love to sit here and think everyone can go back out and be sensible but also the reality is um 
people make mistakes in and there are just generally idiots out there as well so i mean i'd i'd, I'd say i'd not not at your expense but i would rather that those nasty people and the people that make bad choices when they're drunk i'd rather they're doing it outside where they can be policed by yeah. people like yourself rather than yeah. at home where there's obviously been a mm. rise in i would imagine unreported domestic issues and things Definitely. like that in this period so I'd much rather those people are outside getting dr- 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 drunk and angry and can then be dealt with if they need to be dealt with than at home behind closed doors where no one is policing it. Yeah, completely. Complete. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Um, so, and uh, that, that's it. That's a nail on the head, really. I think what the sort of normality is going to be, I, I think still remains to be seen because I, I don't think it's just going to suddenly, everything's going to be normal again. But yeah, I, I'm excited to to kind of, yeah see where things go and eventually get out to Guernsey because um, I've got a dog now as well that I can't even see. So that sucks. But oh man, yeah, yeah, we've got a dog and oh, I can't even, I can't even see it. It's not fair. That's horrible. I feel <laughs> your pain there, man. I was exactly. doing that you for a good that. few months while I was in Canada <laughs> and it's, but it means that when you get there, you're the most excited new toy ever. Like honestly, <laughs> Finley goes crazy every time I walk in the room now. So yeah, I'm sure he'll calm down and get bored of me soon enough. But, oh no! Yeah, no, yeah no, you'll no. get to have that excitement. Exactly. Yeah, but um, yeah, uh, just want some normal back and just be able to hang out and see people again and all, all that fun stuff. I feel you, man. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. It's been it's been a pleasure as ever. No worries. Thank you for having me again. There we go. That was Leon. Um, to wrap things up, as I said, I started the first episode with my mum, part one. And I'm ending part six with my dad. So, yeah, he's been through a lot in this period. He lives on his own, so there was certainly some isolation. He had a, mo- a major operation. There's been a lot of ups and downs, so I wanted to sit down and have a chat with him. So this is, yeah, my dad, Chris Meads. Right, I'm here today with my dad, Chris Meads. I'll, I'll, I'll give you your actual title and name, I guess. But, um, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. You know, it's uh, it's all change again, isn't it? I think we're all there's a, there's a nervousness about getting back to normal. Quite frankly, I'm not sure what I want normal to be in the future. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. one, isn't it? With with all that's all that's to come. Yeah, I, I'm I'm quite a tactile person, and the hugging thing has always been not hugging, you know, not over, over OTT hugging, but just contact with people has always been a bit important to me. You yeah. know, um, yeah. and that's going to be weird going forward because I'm not sure how safe that's going to be whenever <laughs> yeah you know so yeah. it's a bit of a weird one yeah. exactly it feels like it's all going to be a, a learning curve there but i mean before we get on to the, the the getting back to normal let's go back and kind of look at how the pandemic in general has been with y- your mental health you're someone who lives alone so yep, there's been absolutely tr- true isolation on this at, at points you yeah, absolutely. There's also yeah. been periods of variation on that. And you've also had huge hip surgery in this time. Yeah. So I know there was some anxiety over that and yeah. obviously some huge physical changes and restrictions. So so how's it all been, I guess? Just like how's your mental health been in general and being, as you say, you are quite a social person, quite a tactile person. How's that been on your mental health, I guess? It's been really tough because um, I, I know – a lot of people have really, really suffered. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to belittle that at all, but I don't think I've suffered anywhere near as much as other people have. I've yeah. certainly had up and down days, goodness. And I think the first lockdown 
was easier because it was sunny, it was nice weather, but by the same token, mine was complicated by doing my regimented 20-minute walk that you was meant to do um, was actually buggering up my hip, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was felt like you that's the only way you could do it. So I think, uh, what was the track I was listening to for some reason? Oh, that's right, um, Rainy Days and Mondays by the Carpenters, talking right. to myself. Yeah, I think we all did that a bit. I, I, 90% of it was in my head. But every now and again, it sort of crept out and I was actually talking to myself. Yeah. Um, and I don't do that often. I sometimes do it in frustration when you're annoyed with something, you, you, you let, let off expletives. But yeah. And I was in a very, very confined – I've got one bedroom, one front room kitchen, and a toilet and bathroom. Yeah. And at the time of the first lockdown, I actually had two three-piece suites as well. Of course, yeah, because we were helping you get rid of one originally. Yeah, and then when the lockdown started. Yeah. So, so I came round and helped you pile, pile the all old up together. sofas yeah. on top of each other yeah. so you had room for the new yeah, ones. So- I'd forgotten about that. So, yeah, really yeah, restricted. Yeah, my, my actual living space had my, my furniture had more living space than I did, yeah, um, yeah. which was a bit weird. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was a tough time. It was great that there was always yourself, um, Ian, obviously other friends as well um, that you could contact if you needed to. But I'm very much of the oh, old school, like everyone's talking about now, you, you don't get on about mental health blokes. You know, you're yeah. too big, you're too old. I'm another generation. I, I don't think my dad ever mentioned I had never mentioned any form of mental issues no. whilst I know he had them for God's sake. And I, my dear mum, as you know, um, she had quite drastic mental traits um, with yeah. Valium being on Valium for most of her life and then having to be weaned off that and onto something else, um, yeah. Prozac and God knows what else. So putting my stress into context compared to the people I've known in my life, including other family members who you know, I'm not going to go into detail, yeah, but yeah, who've got issues, have got yeah. issues. I felt always I was on the on the tip of it. Yeah, I got stressed. Yes, I got um, I had one or two panic attacks, which I dealt with via meditation, which I got into quite a bit during lockdown. Which is not something I'm particularly in that school, if you get what I mean. But I found yeah. it an easy. You just breathe. You, you controlled your breathing. I certainly got into. Uh, because you were so limited on what you could do, you tended to plan out what you could do and when you could do it. Mm. And I, I was almost working on the point of, you know, this is what I do at nine o'clock. This is what I do at 12 o'clock. I fit some food in here. I do this, I do that. So yeah, I think the meditation and the mindfulness helped. It's, 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 it's interesting how restrictive that can become. These rules that you've set up for yourself you're then so rigid and regimental too that that, yeah. that can be a weird thing. Like I, I had that a few times with uh, when I was in Canada, where I had a lot of time off, and there were certain days I did certain things, and then when I'd get a day on set, I'd be delighted to be working, but part of my mind would be a little frustrated Worried. and uncomfortable because <laughs> I can't because yeah. that's the day I normally do th- these it, things, and there's no reason me. for it to be yeah. that. I'm, I've, I've no. got complete autonomy and freedom, but yeah. It's yeah. weird how those things that are, are, are systems you've set for yourself can then almost become a problem because it is that kind of. It's like right, I'm making this every day. You, you no matter how hard you try to be random, you tend to slip into a a pattern of some kind, and it's yeah. when that pattern becomes too strong a demand. Like my twenty minute walk a day, um, that was fabulous in a lot of ways because you were going out and whilst you were isolating in, in, in the first lockdown, I don't think we were all running around with masks from memory. So you could actually see people's faces, but we were crossing over streets and we weren't talk. but I was talking to people I'd never talked to before because mm. they were all out doing the same thing. 
you know, Um, which was great in some respects. In hindsight, that probably didn't help what was going on in the country. But I think it was context was for me. Uh, Whilst I, yes, definitely had some down periods um, and quite lonely times, but I I knew if I needed to, I could always not see someone. Well, I could see someone on Zoom because God knows where we'd have been without Zoom and WhatsApp and God knows what else. I think... Social media has got a lot of bad press at the moment, but I think during the pandemic, a lot of people have found it a lifesaver. I remember in the very early days going down to a, uh, one of the queues outside the supermarkets where you queue up for 20 minutes to get into a supermarket, or yeah. I, th- I think it's nearly an hour, and I was talking to a little old lady in front of me in her 80s, and I found her loneliness a bit of a reality check because she yeah. didn't have a computer Mm-hmm. She didn't have a posh phone. So she saw someone twice a week when yeah. her son came around or her daughter or something. I can't remember the exact details. But I said, for God's sake, get them to get you an iPad or something so you can at least talk to them when you want to. And she said, oh, no, I just can't handle the technology. So how she dealt with it, mm. God only knows. So Because it's 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 interesting because I'd say this period has, as you say, introduced you to two things in m- meditation and Zoom. Yes. Because Zoom yeah, yeah. wasn't something that you were familiar with before this. Or no, no one I'd was. used it once or twice. I'd used it yeah. once or twice on a meeting basis when I had to do remote meetings, but not on any yeah. large scale, not relying upon it in real life, relying yeah. upon it. You know, yeah. I wish I'd have bought shares in Zoom along with face masks long before yeah. all this kicked off. It yeah. Would have, yeah, it's done some good things. So how was, as said, one time we did talk a little bit about mental health because again we're not the same as you, as your dad's generation and that kind of thing no we no. we did talk when you were preparing to have hip surgery and i was in another country and that was was heartbreaking right. for me obviously i know that you're all right and handling it and in reality even if i was in this country we couldn't really all be we coming around to help no, no, out. Exactly. Ian no. was doing an amazing job in helping everything and and helping. He, he was the he was the mobile bubble as such, and, yeah. and thank God for that. You could have only had one because you two lived separately. Yeah, yeah. One of you would have to have been, so yeah. it wouldn't have changed anything. The fact that you was in Canada was um, it felt far away, but when you pick up the phone and you're on signal or whatever you're yeah. on. Yeah, you you might as well be next door because exactly. you're as close as that. But I said we did speak at the time of the. Uh, of some anxiety, and again, it's 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 one of those things where you can throw l- logic at it all you want, but when you're actually in the situation, like you knew, it's generally they all go, it goes well, it's fine. Yeah, so yeah. It's a very common operation, but still, it's an operation, and it's it's d- dangerous. It's a major operation. It's a major operation. There's a anaesthetic side of things. I did the one where um, they say you're there, but you're sort of squiffy and they make you so high as a kite, but you're right. not physically as because the, to put you under a general anesthetic, um, anything over sort of 50, 60 is added risk that you don't need. And I can remember a stressing about that before the actual event, obviously, because I'm mm-hmm. thinking, God, yeah, I've heard you hear stories where I say, yeah, I could hear him soaring a bit of my leg off. And you think, really? I don't want to hear and that. You, and thank God. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you can feel a sort of crunchy noise going on, and but you don't care because you're high as a kite um, mm. on whatever drugs they give you. But in all fairness, I think I pre-stressed about that. And on the actual day, I might as well have gone right under because I didn't know what was going on. Apart from the, yeah. you know, when you're, 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 wheel, you're well, you don't know because you haven't had it done, but you're wheeling down on the trolley, you're laying flat down, you're watching lights go over your head, which is really you know, like yeah. in a hospital. Yeah. And you think, Like in Shit. a film. Yeah, exactly. Just like in the, the way they do it in a film, but you're you're a, you're the actual star. 
Yeah. And then they get you onto the table and they right, say, turn around this way. And they put an injection in your lumbar spine. Mm-hmm. And they sort of then about 10 minutes later, they say, right, we're going to do this. Can you feel it? And you think, I hope I can't. I really yeah. hope I can't. Yeah, and then after that, it all fades out. You're talking to someone. Then the next minute, you don't know what's going on. And the next minute, you're waking up with socks on your feet, pumping air through your veins so you don't get thrombosis or something like that. So, yeah. And then it's all over. But now the pre-anticipation, the pre-fear, Honestly, I, I was scared. Um, I don't. I'm not ashamed to admit it, because you hear so many good stories about it, but then you hear one or two that gone grossly wrong. Never heard of anyone who's actually you know died from it or anything like that. But the recovery has been as good as. But in all fairness, I think the recovery is all about what you do for it. I was in there at the same time as four other people. Three of us have done exceptionally well, uh, and that's myself included, I feel, on recovery. It's not 100%, but that'll, that'll, that'll come, or as close to. But one hasn't, and you talk to the one who hasn't, and she says, well, yeah, uh, I did the exercises for the first couple of weeks, but then I thought they weren't achieving much. I'm still doing the exercises now, not three yeah. times a day, but I'm doing them every day without fail. It's part of my routine on recovery. The pre-anticipation, I have pretty much got a mindset and I say it to other people, but when it's yourself, you know, if you're worrying about it, it's not going to change it. The operation is still yeah. going to happen. Whatever's going to say, why worry about it? You're wasting time and energy. But at the end of the day, it's an isolation scenario. I was sort yeah. of, I was fitted in between lockdowns. So luckily that happened. And it actually made the second part of the lockdown slightly easier because apart from not being allowed to go anywhere, I didn't really want to. The first three or four weeks was an absolute nightmare for me as a recovery. Yeah, I was going to ask how, how that was because, again, in a way, as you say, it was the perfect time to be in recovery because you couldn't, you, you're not missing out on anything as oh, such because everyone not. else is no. in lockdown. But you did have, as you say, a load of r- rehab exercises t- to do. Again, luckily, Ian, my brother, your eldest, was able to come round and and be a carer of sorts and do all your meals and that kind of thing for the first three weeks or whatever and yeah yeah luckily i uh, luckily i had a a toilet uh, a raised toilet seat i didn't need any personal care i still would struggle with that at my age even at my age even with my sons i would struggle with that Um, yeah 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 yeah. so when they put me into a home make sure it's a home and not you two doing it you know yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you want to do it either no not really thankfully it never went to that level but um now his help was invaluable absolutely and that again is better diet food food regime in general i'm sure all helped in the recovery process i wasn't on a lot of drugs i don't like uh cocodamols and things painkillers so i took them for about the first week and then i just stopped it myself and it was uncomfortable part of that is is in relation to your mum's relationship with with, with drugs and yeah. uh, with 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 pain medication because that is what put her in a bad place mentally and yeah. and caused a lot of uh, probably damage or at least discomfort for you and the rest of the family at that time absolutely it really yeah. did it changed her mental state for a long time so i'd imagine well she yeah. was a drug addict she was a drug addict end of uh, when yeah. they tried to we- in those days you used to get a repeat prescription now to get a repeat prescription all right not literally now because they're not talking to me but but you have to actually go and sort of visit and yeah. all right apart from heart medication or something like that which is bog standard but anything that's addictive you have to have a, almost a, a spanish inquisition yeah, to get yeah. it. Whereas in those days, I used to go down as as a uh, under eighteen year old and go to the chemist and say, "Can I have a repeat prescription for my mum's Valium?" And they used to give me sort of three months worth. Yeah, 
That's how how badly managed it was. So, yeah, there's a natural aversion to tablets. uh, To be clear, all because of legit medical stuff that had to had to happen oh, crumbs, and then yeah, absolutely, and then yeah. as you say the kind of poor poor management of the of uh, of the, the medical world at that point where it was just here you go have loads of this you keep yeah, that's this right. and that. and that, yeah. it, was, it was almost a case it felt like it was almost when you look at it in hindsight it's almost a case of but if you keep them on something it keeps yeah. them quiet they yeah, won't get yeah. worse they won't get better um as it happened that wasn't the way it worked but anyway um yeah so i don't favour the pain medication side of things. I, I try and manage it better myself. But again, that put on various strains and stresses. But at the end of the day, I think I got off quite lightly. I had up and down times. Silence was deafening at times. Literally, yeah. silence was deafening. Thank God for the um, free football, because I'm a football fan. I do yeah. enjoy watching football, even though more so now. I've got bored with that now. Yeah. Um, but there was so much free football on as well. Yeah, I've never seen so much of Millwall on the TV yeah. because on the red button, they were there for virtually every game, which was fabulous, yeah. um, whether you subscribed or not. So that helped a lot. But no, it was, I, I think it could have been worse if I didn't know I had people I could turn to. Yeah. But I was still, yeah, I don't think I ever rung you or Ian or, or, or mum. I said, God, I need some help. But I knew mm. you were there if I really felt that I really did need it. Yeah, And at times, I suppose, I got close, but I dealt with it with a bit of breathing, a bit of meditation, listening to calm tapes as a, or whatever the, you know, it's on an app I've got. So I think I got off quite lightly. I know others, family and non-family, who, who struggled a lot more. Yeah, But yeah, it, it could have been worse, but it wasn't fun. Don't get me wrong. And if you'd have told me, I don't know, two years ago, that at some point in the near future, someone up there in the government is going to say, right, you're not allowed to go out. You're going to wear a mask and you're not going to be able to see your family. Yeah. It's unimaginable. Yeah. It's unimaginable. And I know there is schools of thought because one friend of mine is a bit like that. It's all a major conspiracy. Well, I hope he's looking at what's going on in India at the moment because that's one hell of a way to get a conspiracy out, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it really is. It really is. So, so I mean, to, to wrap things up, going forward, how are you feeling as we start to to come out of this? As you say, we don't really know what, speed things will be getting back to any kind of or, or what the new normality will be the new norm's going to be yeah i i'm apprehensive to a degree i'm still not bothering i haven't been to a supermarket since all this happened not proper yeah. you know all right the local co-op where i've seen you in the queue in the first lockdown yeah, we were sort yeah. of talking by message yeah uh, by text i think <laughs> yeah you were, were six back in the apart. queue and i was up in the front and yeah. uh Apart from that sort of very small local car, I've not been near a major Tesco's or a Asda's or anything like that. And I don't intend to. At the moment, I can get it delivered. That works fairly well for me. I'm not overfussed by it. But I, I, I do miss, strangely enough, I still miss the chitter and chatter in a supermarket. I'm a very, ch- yeah, some people say I'll, I'll talk to anyone, you know, and I will. Yeah. And I'll do that again when we get back proper at the CAF, when we open that up. Um, yeah. But again, when that's going to happen, I'm not 100% sure. And yeah, there's a, I'm going to say there's a little bit of, uh, app- there is apprehension. And I, I, don't, I don't know yet. I really don't know. Initially, I was nervous about generally going out. Um, I, I've got, a, as you know, I've got a, a van down at uh, Mersey Island. Yeah. And if I could have isolated down there, I think it would have been better. But over the weekend, I actually thought that through more. And I wonder if it would have been a little bit too remote. Yeah. Whilst the scenery and everything was nicer, you'd bump into le- if if you was actually in isolation down, you'd actually bump into less people, even on your daily walk. Yeah, um, unless you happen to have a dog, 
Yeah. And then you always meet someone if you've got a dog. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a, a in, for me, it's a curiosity as to how far we, we're going to be not only allowed to go, but how far we want to go in the mm. future. Because there's some schools of thought that this is a one-off thing that will happen once another hundred years time. There's another school of thought this, this could happen next, next year, just the same again, yeah. or we'll be doing top up vaccines forever more, a bit like the flu vaccine. So yeah. I think it's a suck it and see all the way through. I really, it doesn't phase me, but I'd like to get back to a more, I was going to say more realistic life. That's not even the way it is a more communal life. It is a very isolated life just now. Um, I think maybe we've all found ourselves a bit more in this time mm-hmm. and some have dealt with it better than others. And some just can't wait to get, you know, a friend of mine, I'm not going to name any names within two minutes of 12 o'clock on the, was it the 12th of April? Yeah. By half past 12, he's down five pints in a pub garden yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And you think, yeah. Jesus, give it, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was a bit, and I, I haven't got a, a wish for that. I'd like to sit, relax and have a nice americano somewhere yeah and talk to someone but yeah. I, i'm i'm not about to dash out and do it as such because i don't i don't feel the need that much but I, I i do miss that side and i want that side to get back to a more yeah communal I, i'm very community minded as you as you know with mm-hmm. the CAF and and the, the way i volunteer there and i'm a trustee and i think that side that probably that community has suffered as much as anyone because there's a lot of people turn up at that cafe who's got no one else to talk to yeah, they actually go there to to buy a cup of coffee, but that's not the reason they're there. It's just to say hello to someone. I'm talking about more aged people than yeah, youngsters. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that can get back to a, a decent way of life. Whatever that new safety measure. Yeah, there's people saying we should be wearing masks forever more. And I know we all know what Ian's thoughts are. We hadn't dealt with this brilliantly. I don't know any government who would have dealt with this. I'm not going to say any better. I think it has been an absolute cock up in most yeah. directions, but. In real life, would any other government have done it any better? Because no one really knew what they were doing. Well, I mean, that's you know? that—that's the problem. That's the thing in this situation is normally that is the argument, but it's been a global pandemic, so we can yeah. literally there look was at governments to be learned, who ha- yeah. have handled it better. We yeah. can look at yeah. uh, at Malaysia, and we can look yeah. at Australia yeah. as the greatest example, who are completely out of everything, have got rid of it completely. Yes, so yeah, yeah. We can there was literally to look be learned. Yeah. at other countries yeah. who other governments who have done it better. Yeah. So it is really, it's more damning than usual on our own. The only thing we seem to have managed is the old uh, vaccine rollout. And yeah. Almost, again, you almost feel guilty when you see what's happening in uh, India and that, that mm. you know, they were pushing that vaccine out to Europe and probably to us. I don't know if we get AstraZeneca mm. from there, but we they, they, were, they were selling it and manufacturing it for their economy rather than their people, which again yeah. is a, is a bad mistake, you know, you'd yeah, think, yeah. but that's, that's too political for my liking at yeah. the moment. This is not, to me, it's not all about politics. This is about living and surviving. And I think that was always the way I, I looked at most. If I got a bit iffy during all, all this uh, lockdown was, is you just look around and there's so many people who are losing people. Yeah. Touch wood. We've not lost anyone really close to us. I know several people who have. So, yeah, I, I think all the way through, if you can keep your head above water and think there's someone worse off, and there always is, believe me, there always is. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. It's That's been a all right, son. to have a, have yeah. a chat. It's nice. It'll be nice to uh, sit out in the garden somewhere with you again at some point soon. Yeah, or, at some point or up soon. to six of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never know.
You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was my dad. Um, Yeah, I've really enjoyed all of these chats. I listed everyone at the start and I want to say a big thank you to each and every one of them because they shared some amazing stuff. And I hope that these episodes can serve as kind of a bit of a time capsule documenting this weirdest of years from a mental health perspective because anything anytime something historical happens it becomes ruled by what was written down you know our memories start to become swayed by the film that's going to be made about it or or the news reports or whatever else so I'm I'm glad I got to speak to a whole load of real people about it and as we do go into the real world a takeaway I've got is just just try and be nice to people and take it easy and be understanding. You don't know if someone's being a dickhead because they're a dickhead or because they're anxious or because they're, t- they're struggling t- t- to adapt. In the workplace, try and remember, be easy on yourself and be easy on others because remember that these things will take a while to get back up to full speed on, right? Like, I say this a lot, but if I did a gig tomorrow, I'd be rubbish. And the reason for that is... I spent 10 years getting really good at playing live and now I've not played live in six years or something. And that applies to everyone's job. You've spent years doing that job five times a week, six times a week, whatever your shift is, to get up to speed. So be easy on yourself. If When you go back, it's a bit slower. And remember that everyone you work with are humans. I certainly remember from my days of working in retail, for example, there were people, management I worked with who were absolute dicks, but there were management that I worked with like Stu Mangan, who a lot of you will know, like Janie, like Kelly, like Andrew, Terry even, um, who treated us all, who realised that we were all humans. We weren't just members of staff or part-timers and full-timers divided into categories they treated us like humans and they remembered that we were humans and that we had human lives and human things going on inside our human heads that didn't involve the stock on the shelves or whatever else, you know. So yeah, remember that. It's easy to it's easy to categorize humans into groups. The media do it all the time with immigrants and r- refugees and hoodies and youths and all these different things and homeless people but these are just oversimplifications and they allow us to dehumanize the people behind those labels and I think we do it in work a lot you know the people in the office or the people in the other office or the people on the other end of the phone call who never come down to our office and don't know what it's really like or the people who you know the opposite end of that the people who are in the office and they just aren't doing things how you want it on your on your sheet or on your graph. All of these people are humans and they've got really good reasons in this last year to have weird shit going on in their heads right now that you might not know about. Hopefully their close friends and family know about it. Hopefully they're talking to someone. If not, hopefully an anonymous voice at the Samaritans or at Calm or at one of these places, hopefully they know about it. But you might not. So keep that in mind and give people a bit a bit of leeway you know and then maybe we'll continue that going forward maybe that will become the habit maybe giving people the benefit of the doubt will become the hab- the habit maybe assuming that there's a good reason for any actions that maybe don't sit right with us we'll 
will become the way we go forward. And that could be a nicer version of society. I don't think we need to go back to the way things were. I don't think the way things were was perfect. I think there's a lot of reasons to indicate it was very, very far from perfect. So don't strive to get back to normal. Strive to get back to the bits from the previous normal that you feel hold up after this year and then replace the bits that don't hold up. Replace the bits that don't cut it and aren't quite right. We don't have to just click back into it. I spoke to a lot of people since who've, since I've recorded these who have started going out to pubs and found it weird and couldn't hold their drink as well. And there was weird atmospheres and vibes. And it's like, well, maybe you don't need to be going to the pub as much or maybe you don't need to be drinking as much. Maybe this is a chance to adjust your habits in that world. Maybe it's not. I ain't telling you what to do, but yeah. There's some of my thoughts. And remember, I know fuck all and I'm not qualified to speak on any of this. But the point of these podcasts was to talk to people about their stories and get their situations and views and opinions. And big love to the Patreons as well. I know I've not talked about Patreon because I didn't want to plug anything on these, but we did a Where's Your Head at Patreon Zoom, which isn't for the podcast. It's just for a load of us to get on Zoom together and talk about how we've been doing. And everyone was so open on that. So, yeah, there was a lot of really good really good things said there from from Daniel and from Steve and from David and from Emma and from, uh, I've forgotten a few of the names, from Julia, from Noel. Who was at the end? It wasn't Karen, was it? I'm worried if it wasn't Karen because that name now comes with baggage. <laughs> but yeah, cheers to everyone who's engaged in these podcasts and yeah, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.